On May 1st, 2021, the world of comics lost one of its luminaries with the passing of John Paul Leon. His immense talent and thoughtfulness towards the craft of black and white picture making was universally respected by peers and fans alike. Leon was known for his early work on Milestone's Static and Shadow Cabinet titles, the Earth X Limited series for Marvel, and perhaps my personal favorite, The Winterman for Wildstorm. In addition, he embellished countless comic book covers with his art and contributed to style guides for Hollywood films such as Superman Returns, Batman Begins, and The Dark Knight. Recently, my co-host, Swain, offered a brief word of remembrance regarding Leon here on the podcast. As Swain recalled, Leon was regarded as a friend of the show and stated that Sidebar was his favorite podcast. I'm Adrian Johnson, representing my co-host Dwight and Swain's November 2010 conversation with John Paul Leon. Yeah. That is, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it took everybody by storm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's that's our joke for and, the day, and, and, not, and not not Oral Munro either, yeah, or Halle Berry for that matter. <laughs> hey, why don't we try and talk about the weather the entire interview? Let's okay. see how long we can. <laughs> <laughs> we can integrate that into. You know? Yeah. Oh man. Well, you know there is a static shock. Oh, see now, <laughs> and wow. that's it, JP. That's all we got. <laughs> that was good though. That was. You know. God. We'll go ahead and jump in here and and, uh, and not take up any, any more of your time with our uh, stupidity. <laughs> uh, that's that's fine. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Okay. Good. All right. Well, um, from what we know, you as you said earlier in the conversation, you were born in New York City in 1972. Right. And you moved to Florida as a kid, and you currently live in Miami. Right. Okay. Right. And your parents are immigrants from Cuba. That's right. And your first professional work was at the age of 16, doing some illustrations for uh, for Dungeons and Dragons. That's correct. Right. Okay. Now I gotta I gotta drop a question in here. No, that, for, t- for TSR. Yeah, TSR. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I guess technically. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, were you blown away at sixteen, knowing that you were getting paid to draw, or or is it one of those things where the story sounds a lot more glamorous in print, maybe than it actually was? I mean, you were a kid doing professional work. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I was uh, in high school at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, I got one of those um, one of those books called The Artist Market yeah. mm-hmm. at, at a bookstore that was a listing of different uh, art directors and magazines and uh, books and things like that where you could submit um, uh, portfolios to, mm-hmm. basically just a directory of art directors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always loved to draw. It was actually in, I went to an art high school similar to the um, art and design, I guess, in New York. In New York uh, City, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's called New World School of the Arts, and it's here in Miami in downtown. And uh, it was a mag- one of the first magnet schools in South Florida, okay. uh, in which they like they bring kids from all over the city into the uh, centralized location and specialize for three hours a day uh, in either visual arts, dramatic arts, music, dance, things like that. Uh, so you know, I was very sort of you know ambitious in that regard as a, as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, being like a D and D player as a kid, I, I thought it would be a good idea to try and. Like submit some work to uh, to TSR and see mm-hmm. just to see what happens, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I got, I got a call from the art director of, I think it was Dungeon Magazine. It was a yeah. Magazine. Yeah, it was a great magazine. Yeah. 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 I had a couple of issues with that when I was, yeah. shut up, shut it up. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting teased from my geekdom now, JP. <laughs> I thought you were being sarcastic. No, no, seriously. No, no. I had it, dude. I'm actually seriously. teasing both you and JP. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was a dice rolling, uh, uh, chick smacking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> go ahead, JP. Uh, well, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, that's that's how I got my first work. I, I sent in some Xeroxes from, uh, uh, you know, some some illustrations that I had done uh, just for fun, really. Uh, and uh, you know, they got in touch with me about maybe a month later. Okay. So. Wow. Now, were I you st- maybe about about five or six jobs for them? Okay. Now, were you stoked, man? Were you like, oh, I have arrived? Well, I, I don't know about that, but I, I was definitely like, like surprised and, and, and definitely stoked. I mean, I really was, you know, excited to, you know, get printed work. That was sure. like a big deal. Sure. Know? Okay. And and the buddies you played D and D with were they were they surprised to see were they stuff in the magazine? <laughs> mm, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't. I actually don't remember how how enthusiastic they were about it. Okay. Uh, but uh. Yeah, I, I, but by this time I wasn't playing anymore. So okay, you know, I, uh, by the time I was sixteen, I think I had had moved on to like just drawing as much okay. as possible. But okay. but uh, there were a few years there, like in my early teens, where we like played a lot of D and D, and it was you know very very cool game because you sort of uh, are forced to use your imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, so. And that's probably helped inform helped inform your uh, your storytelling a lot too. I think so. I mean, I, I couldn't sort of pin it down, but I, I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. So after you uh, graduated from high school, um, I'm guess, I'm guessing you applied to uh, the School of Visual Arts in New York City, right? And uh, and attended there. Now, and you actually, again, you were born in New York City, moved to Florida, but then you decided to return to New York to go to school. Now, was, was Ringling not an option in Florida for you, or was, was uh, SVA just a better choice? Um, actually, we took, a, we took a school trip to Ringling to mm-hmm. check out that school. That's in Sarasota, right? Right. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Ringling School, um, you know, it just was out of the question for me because I just found at that time, this was 1989, I think, Sarasota was such a sleepy town, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that it seemed like, what the hell am I going to do here for four years? <laughs> right. You know, I, mean, I, I I don't know anything about that school. It may be a great school. I I really I don't know. Um, yeah. But it just just the environment just seemed very sort of a little bit too laid back. Okay. Um, and the idea of studying art and going to New York uh, was very exciting. So okay. And I like the fact that SVA had a uh, uh, very highly uh, regarded illustration program mm-hmm. as well as a cartooning department. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, and the fact that they had working professionals teaching there uh, was was a cool thing because I thought that you could get like sort of state of the art type of instruction. Uh, mm-hmm. Little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> you say that curiously. Just, no, just kidding. It was a great school. <laughs> well, I mean, you made some really, really uh, fantastic connections there. You, you know, you you, st- you have mentors like like Walt Simonson and, and Eisner and. and mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you, you can't really get better tutelage than, than yeah. Walt Simonson yeah. and, and Eisner. Uh, and Potter? Oh, Jack Potter, yeah. Jack Potter, yeah. Uh, uh, just, you know, I can go on and on. We can do an hour on Jack Potter. There we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know anything about him. but I don't. Uh, Is he in relation to Harry? 
Okay, come on. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is funny. That is, that is that's... not funny. <laughs> Don't encourage him, John Paul. I'm sorry, man. I just... <laughs> it's been a long day. I'm going to cut his me. mic off for 10 minutes. He's, <laughs> he's on podcast restriction. Right, go to the corner, Dwight. Go to the corner. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, buddy. No, you was Jack Potter. Uh, Jack was just a great uh, illustrator from the fifties and early sixties, and, okay. and and you know he had been teaching at School of Visual Arts for uh, I don't know, like thirty years when I got there. So wow. he had his his system down, and his system was was really inspirational and 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 sort of eye opening. He he really sort of um, had a very strict um, method of teaching in which he, he sort of taught you to break the figure down into shapes and draw shapes and think in terms of shape and composition and and uh, just you know went on and on into different uh levels from there but it was just uh a guy who really you know uh could change your sort of your world view in terms of just visually just uh would turn everything on its head and you know you would start to see things in a different way and mm-hmm. and and uh just really uh just uh, meant a lot to me his instruction mm. So would you say you're more you're more compositionally affected by what he did, or or, or just in terms of uh, the structure of the anatomy, or both? Well, er- everything is composition. Right. I mean, that, that's the thing. Uh, it was basically you drew the clothed figure. There were hardly ever nudes in that class, and you learned mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly that the figure is really composition as well. It's mm-hmm. all composition. Uh, uh, it's all sort of uh, shapes and how they relate to each other mm-hmm. uh, at its core. Um, it wasn't really an anatomy class. Mm. Uh, I hope you don't. You guys don't mind if I sound s- slightly distracted. It's because I'm 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 drawing while we're while we're talking. So no, I'm, that's I'm, cool. That's cool. I, I, I'm definitely pressing hard on a deadline this weekend, so I, okay. I, I can't afford to sort of uh, leave the drawing board. So I, I apologize if I sound no, kind of, no, no, no. Uh, Do your thing. It's it's fun being in the lab with you, right? You know. <laughs> and, uh, what are you working on? Oh, that's I just true. fucked up. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> And that's our contribution for the weekend, right? <laughs> we'll be leaving now. <laughs> uh, no, Dwight was asking, what, 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 are you, what, what are you working on, man? What are you drawing right now? Can you I, I'm us? working on a Nick Fury, uh, actually Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos okay. um, special issue for Marvel. All right. Is that the thing you're doing with Jesse Alexander? That's right. That's okay. Right. All right. Cool. Cool. We were going to ask you about that later, but uh, um, that's cool that you brought it up. Yeah, man. Um, JP, after school, uh, did you immediately pursue getting into comics? Yeah, I, I got into comics while I was in school. Okay. Um, I, I got into uh, comics in 1992. Okay. My first uh, comics job was a a series of eight-page short stories for Dark Horse, uh, RoboCop uh, yep. short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and soon after that, a miniseries called RoboCop Prime Suspect. Okay. The uh, Now, were those a result of the, uh, the sample pages that you ended up showing Shrek? Because I think he was at Dark Horse at the time, right? That's right. That's right. Okay, okay, cool. and uh, and it was from after RoboCop. It, did you go straight into uh, Milestone and start working on Static Shock That's with right. those guys? Yep, That's okay. right. Well, it wasn't okay. it wasn't Static Shock. It was just Static. Was it Static? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. And it was the Return of the Cool. Yeah. Okay. Now, was that a fun gig? That was a blast. Okay. Static was a blast. Are you kidding? <laughs> that was. Oof. I had a great time doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me personally, I was working for the first time consistently mm-hmm. and. I was just, you know, the, the the learning curve was really steep, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and the writing was so much fun. It was Robert Washington uh, mm-hmm. was writing that stuff, and his writing was so much fun, and uh, it was just a it was a great time. 
Mm. Now, you weren't one of the creators on that book. That was uh, McDuffie and uh, Dennis Cowan and those guys? Right. Okay. Now, did you, have, did you benefit greatly from having Dennis Cowan there as a presence, him being an artist and you being an artist and him obviously being a bit yep. more seasoned than you were at the time? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Dennis was great. He was, uh, uh, you know, uh, a good sort of... Uh, mentor of sorts? Men- yeah, sort of a mentor to sort of uh, go over the pages without any bullshit and, you know, tell me what was wrong and what I needed to fix and, okay. you know, what wasn't clear and... And, you know, Dennis turned me on to Alex Toth, and I'm eternally grateful for that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I love Alex Toth. Now, we yeah. could literally do the next 60 minutes on Alex Toth. <laughs> right. And I would yeah. not lose any energy. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the man is, is part of the Godhead as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much so. Um, you can tell a story, you know, man. Yeah. He was, he's an awesome uh, awesome artist and, yep. and terribly underrated uh uh, by everyone other than his peers, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So anyway, okay. So Alex Toe, I oh, got you right. <laughs> um, it yeah. was af- after you worked on uh, on Static Static, yeah, with uh, over at Milestone, Roger Hawkins. Yeah, exactly. Was your uh, was your next major gig the Earth X gig at Marvel? Um, I wouldn't say that. Uh, after Static, uh, I mean, you want a chronological sort of list because everything for me was major. Okay. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Uh, I guess. The most visible thing I did after Static, I mean, I did a, another ongoing for for Milestone called Shadow Cabinet after Static. Okay. Another, okay. another right. monthly title. I did about maybe 14 issues of that, I think. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, then after that, I did a series of uh, shorter jobs for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Actually, not true. Uh, while I was working on Shadow Cabinet, I did a Man of Steel annual for, for DC. It was a double-sized uh, Man of Steel annual. It was like a Superman Year One okay. story. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, f- most fun I've ever had on, on any story was that job. That was just a blast. Really? No. Why? Uh, why so? Well, I got to draw the sort of classic uh, Justice League characters that I grew up with, and okay. you know, it was it was uh, just sort of a yeah, it was a baptism in a way into the DCU, you know, drawing okay. Superman, Batman, you know, Aquaman, uh, Green Lantern, everybody was in that story. Right. Um, so. So I kind of proud uh, you for Earth X then at that point, because there was a whole litany of characters in the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. that you had, you had to draw versus, you know, Static. Uh, well, Shadow Cabinet was a team book, so I was a little bit uh, prepared for that. Right. By the time Earth X, Earth X rolled around maybe like five years later. So, okay. Uh, the team book is really a whole other animal than, than the you know the single character book. It's mm-hmm. just much more work, and mm-hmm. it really challenges your sense of composition mm-hmm. and keeping things interesting while keeping you know several characters in every panel and mm-hmm. you know, just you know it tests your your your, your editing skills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were a few small jobs for Marvel. Uh, uh, Miniseries called The Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, a one right, shot right. called Logan, Path of the Warlord, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then after that was, you know, uh, a series for DC called Challenges of the Unknown. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Which I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about it. Well, let's, let's go back. No, let's go back to Milestone for a minute. Um, what was the biggest challenge for you, considering, I mean, Milestone had an had a urban setting, and I guess uh, coming from Miami, living in New York, uh, did you find that the setting in New York City to be like, like, perfectly set up for Dakota and that you were able to like really get into it using some yeah. of the settings you saw there? Um, 
Well, I mean, there's just so much to grab onto with an, with an urban setting, you know. Uh, everywhere you look, there's a subject. Right. So, uh, I mean, you, you can take a trip to New York and you see that for yourself. And everywhere you look, there's a, a perfectly composed picture. That's true. <laughs> it's That's ama- true. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that was my experience there last uh, couple weeks ago, I guess, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny in one of the interviews you read, uh, JP, you were talking about, uh, I guess, coming up with uh, with shots and stuff for New York City, and you said one of the best places you found was Woody Allen movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a scene in the, it's either the, I don't think it's the latest, um, it's the Ex Machina special that just came out that you did. Oh, that's my tip of the hat to the Gordon Willis, the, the Manhattan yeah. uh, poster, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said, yeah, I said, wait a minute. This is Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> and then the I read the interview. Bridge, yeah. yeah, I read the interview yeah. later, and I said, this is, this is literally that, that same shot, which yeah. is a gorgeously shot film. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, I think that if, if ever there was a Woody Allen film that was a love letter to New York City, it's definitely Manhattan. Oh, and not definitely. Ju- not even just by the title, but, I mean, it was just lushly shot, all in black and white. Mm-hmm. It was just beautiful. Yep, yep. But that was funny because the, the, the script uh, didn't call for – for that shot, I just knew that they were up by the river somewhere, and I, I mm-hmm. asked Brian Brian Vaughn, the writer, mm-hmm. you know, is it cool? I, I'm not quite sure because they're supposed to be in Queens somewhere, I think, some park specifically. Okay. And I don't know that park, so I asked him, you know, is it cool if I, I want to do like a like an homage to Gordon Willis and the Manhattan uh, poster uh, from from the Woody Allen movie. Is it cool if I get the Queensboro Bridge in there? Because I don't know if you would see the Queensboro Bridge right. that, from that. Or you say, yeah, just go ahead and cheat it. Go ahead. That's fine. Do whatever you want. So, of course, fans who live in New York City, if it wasn't, they'd call you. They call bullshit on it if you uh, if you threw it in. You can't see that bridge from yeah, where there's I know. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Yeah, you have to stay authentic, man. Yeah. People. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we have been trying to ease you, I guess, towards uh, EarthX because uh, that's where a lot of people, I think. Well, I was going to ask him a question. I mean, I, oh, go well, ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Why Woody Allen, man? Why not like Martin Scorsese or Sidney Lumet? You know, from you know. <laughs> in terms of- uh, I I love them all. You know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here's another. Speaking of Sidney Lumet, uh, the mayor's office in both Ex Machina specials that I've drawn is a direct swipe from Night Falls on Manhattan. The uh, Oh, okay. the, DA, the DA's office. Go back and look at the movie. Cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> Slam. <laughs> okay. It's one wow. of the coolest like city offices I've ever seen on film. You know, okay. I've never actually been in like you know a high-ranking city official's office, but that movie, uh, that office in that movie is just—it's great. And I think it's—I think they built it on a set or something. But, okay. but it, it looks very authentic. Okay. All right. Well, again, trying to ease you. A bit into EarthX. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It seemed as if EarthX was the project where your art style started evolving into more of what you do now, like the early static shock stuff, and or static, excuse me, I'm, uh, the early static stuff and uh, uh, some of the early work that I've seen. It seems like EarthX was a place where um, the JP that we know now seemed to be emerging then. Is that a fair assessment in your opinion? Um, you know, I would say it probably started earlier than that okay and challenges of the unknown okay um, i agree with that yeah i would say uh, so yeah although i feel that as far as the way that i was drawing on earth x i think that maybe the stuff that i'm doing now is more textured than it was back then mm-hmm. okay. uh, that there, there's there's more variation to what i'm doing now than okay. there was back then at least that's the way i see it but but that sort of look of uh you know 
holding lines blown out as if light was striking form and, and, and heavy shadows to, to delineate form, mm-hmm. I think really began on Challenges of the Unknown. Okay. You mentioned Challenges of the Unknown, and, and uh, that's one of my favorite things you did, too, especially with the, the whole Batman situation where he's downstairs kind of doing his detective sleuthing work, and Alfred walks down. Oh, cool. Thanks. And I was wondering, man, I mean, your, your facial features, you're, one of the things I first noticed about your work, JP, that always strikes me is the fact that your stuff... Looks looks photorealistic, but doesn't like photo grab. It looks like you actually know how the form goes and how it works. You're not just tracing things like yeah. uh-huh. some other artists, which will be you know remain not, nameless. Not so I mean, I was curious he, that the Batman that's downstairs in the Batcave, looking at the looking at the work that Alfred comes and talks to him about. He reminds mm-hmm. me of Sherlock Holmes. Did you? I mean, are you, were, who was the likeness that you used, or or what you influenced in terms of your characterization of of, of, of Bruce Wayne as Batman? In that scene, uh-huh. I I don't remember exactly. The characterization, it was, a, it was an amalgam. Usually my heads or faces are sort of combinations of different photographs. I try, because I, I want to keep away from that, like, static kind of direct photographic look. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think, man, what was I looking at? Some photographs in the 1920s or 30s or something. Some intelligentsia in, in New York or some okay. Man Ray photographs. I, I forgot the name of the... Cause it, the name of the guy. It, it looks very. It looks very. It's it, it's periodic. I mean, Batman, unlike any other Batman I've ever seen or have, I've seen in, in quite some time, had a, had a certain sense of um, well, classical uh-huh. classical feeling to him. Like a, just just a uh, this guy looks intelligent. He's not just a playboy. He has a brain in his head. You could tell he just looks like he looks he looks like look, look like a sleuth. You believe this guy was a okay. somebody that would do the do the detective work. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. Unlike unlike some versions of him, you don't think he would do the detective work. You know, he's just a handsome. Yeah. I'll beat your ass type there, of guy. There are times in movies where you see, uh, like especially like in action movies, mm-hmm. where the action hero kind of displays a certain amount of intelligence, and mm-hmm. you're like, ah, no. like Stallone and Rambo, yeah, I don't know if he looks <laughs> yeah. smart enough to, re- you know. <laughs> I mean, so, sometimes when you're watching movies, it does strike you that way, doesn't it, JP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where you're like, okay. Yeah, he's not in character, obviously. I don't right, know. Right. Oh, wow, he put the, the C4 in the microwave and made it blow up. Ah, right, right, right. Not buying it. <laughs> he maybe put a piece of pizza in the microwave, <laughs> but not the C4. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, no, that's cool. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying. That that, that yeah. I, I, I mean, um, you know, that that's not something that really was on my mind. I guess mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to like draw as as, as well as I can, and mm-hmm. maybe you know that that's interesting. Like, you take away from it. Yeah. Um, different. Uh, each reader takes, you know, yeah. takes away from it something different, and that, right. that's very cool. That you know, you were struck with that because that's something that you know completely was something that yeah, wasn't, wasn't occurring to me. So Indeed. Uh, as far as EarthX goes, man, was that your first collab with, uh, with Melissa Edwards on the colors? Let me think for a second. I think it was. Okay. I think, well, I think Hollingsworth did maybe 10 issues out of the series or mm-hmm. something, and she did the last several. Right. Something like that. I, I don't remember. But I think it was the first time we actually worked together, yeah. Okay. And, and you worked with her again on, uh, on Winterman, correct? On Static Shock. On Static Shock. And then she did the colors to the last issue of Wintermet. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now, because I know she's she's uh, she's married to uh, to Tommy Lee, your your studio mate at the Boulevard. That's right. Do you get an opportunity to kind of give her cues as far as the colors, or is your relationship with her in terms of you know dealing with any kind of a color issue? Is it the same as it would be with any other colorist? 
where you just well, make maybe, maybe make notes in the mar- in the margins or something like that. They don't they don't do that anymore. They just I don't think that since everything is digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking like old school comics now. Okay. I know that that's the way I used I'm, to do it. I'm showing my age, the, JP. <laughs> no, I used to write the notes in the margins too, and and and, and I forgot where when I realized that the, these colors weren't getting my notes. I somewhere when they started going more digital, you know, okay. they're just scanning the pages in and, and you know, fuck your notes. Uh, but, <laughs> but I will say, I would say that, that yes, she is open to, uh, uh, um, you know, my, my input as well as other colorists, you know, uh, okay. I, I, I don't know that I've recently, if I've worked with a colorist who wasn't open to input. So, mm. okay. Uh, well, yeah, but the notes on the margins, no, it's, it's all digital now, okay. so I don't think those notes make it. All right, I'm the old dinosaur who still thinks that people are <laughs> paying attention to small details Look, like that. As opposed to just writing an email, which would be the most you know efficient way to communicate with right, your colors. Right. So. Panel three, don't use blue. Uh, but anyway, I just thought that that was that was interesting because uh, um, Melissa's name you know had popped up. Trying to again trying to do my research, her name had popped up a couple of times. And actually, there's a couple other names that pop up. Like you, you tend to do quite a bit of work for Wildstorm, and and um, Ben Abernathy's name pops up, and Scott Scott Dunbeer. And I'm assuming that that's not by accident that it happens. That you just have a rapport with these folks. Uh, yes, a lot of the work I've done in the last several years has been for Wildstorm um, uh, because I was I've been working on Winterman, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know that book. Uh, had its problems uh, scheduling and uh, for other reasons that I won't go into right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... We've heard. It became, it, <laughs> it became necessary to uh, for me to sort of uh, take on side projects uh, while I was trying to complete that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the most immediate guys were the guys who I was working with who right. knew exactly what the situation was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So you had you, you did Winterman through uh, Wildstorm. Uh, yeah. You did a Midnighter. Through right. Wildstorm, and then the two X Mox that you've done thus far have been through uh, Wildstorm as well. Right, right. Yeah, okay. As well as the Tom Strong. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, exactly. The yep, Tom, Strong, have Tom Strong, which I, which I really liked. Right. <laughs> oh, thanks. I was not very fond of that character, but uh, I liked your rendition of him. Mm-hmm. He was a little more realistic and a little more, uh, for lack of a better term, less comic booky looking. Well, he's uh, no, go ahead, and that's why I dug it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. That was fun. I, I I hadn't read that book, and then you know when they offered me the job, I I. I accepted it because I, I, you know, I like Chris Sprouse's work. Yeah. Uh, so they sent me this all the Sprouse trades, and, and I read them all, and I really enjoyed it. And then it sort of digested that stuff and tried to sort of stay faithful to it uh, in that story. So that's that's cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. When when you get approached to do a job, a, a here and there kind of a thing, like the uh, the one shot that you did for uh, for Vertigo, the scalped issue. Mm-hmm. Um, in certain cases, obviously, like you said there, I'm sure they send you some material so you can at least familiarize yourself with it. When you did that 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 scalp with Jason Aaron, was that more challenging than anything else that you would do in the sense of you know you've got you know the, this whole Native American uh, backdrop going on? Mm-hmm. Was it was it tougher for you, or was it no more tougher than uh, than anything else you would work on? No, I, I found it kind of a relief actually mm-hmm. uh, because it was a different world, you know, mm-hmm. a different subject matter that that, you know, you don't often see in fiction, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I found it uh, a relief. It was very spe- very specific ethnici- ethnici- uh, ethnicities there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. to have to, you know, nail down. And, you know, that was, uh, that, I enjoy that, you know, because uh, you know, I think comics kind of can get a little bit um, uh, just generic in their, yeah. in their, in their portrayal of, of, of real life, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. 
And that's definitely one of the things you steer away from, too. And, I, I you know, I, I appreciate that about your work. Yeah. I really love this series. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that uh, Dave Johnson did the cover to the, uh, the issue that you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, anyway, it was. I love Gara, and I love I love the oh, series. Oh yeah, his, his stuff is, is great. Amazing, uh, amazing. And yeah. I when I and when I first saw your name on on the uh, the book as a uh, as a fill in artist, I was like, I don't know, because I was in love with Gara, with Gara at that point. Yeah, yeah. Gara's work is great. I, 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 that stuff. I had never heard of him until I saw that stuff. They sent me, mm-hmm. you know, a few of the scalp trades, and and uh, I was really impressed with this. There's an immediacy to his drawing. It reminds me a little bit of. Jordy Bernay, you know, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of going back to uh, a, a toast kind of a right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, cool. yeah. I uh, I have to agree with uh, Howard Chaikin. He was saying that he really loves the uh, that series too, and his compliment to it was he says I totally believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's right. one that's one of the things about it is, is you totally believe what's going on. That's awesome. Right. Um, in terms of the, of the uh, yeah, yeah. The, the setting. But we, we, you mentioned uh, Winterman earlier and, and some of the schedule issues and whatnot, and, and I guess trying to shift gears into that. Because while I'm glad that you guys finally did get that special out, and it, ha- it had been a pretty long delay, could you tell us why the series was cut down from, I think it was, what, eight issues as originally planned, down to mm-hmm. six? Yeah, it's a long story. How much time we got? Uh, <laughs> as, give, as, give, as much as you like. Yeah, give us the Wikipedia version. <laughs> uh, boy, um, you know, it's tough for me to get into this story mm-hmm. without saying some very negative things about uh, my writer. Okay, uh, and I'd rather not do that. But, okay, right. But That's cool. uh, basically, it came down to uh, you know some deadlines that got away, and 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 uh, the book wasn't selling too well to begin with, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know Wildstorm made a made a financial decision to cut it down. I got you. In a nutshell. That's okay. It. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I kind of figured as much. I don't. I don't think I'd ever read anything in specific, but I kind of figured as much. Mm-hmm. But um, well, you mentioned having a lot of fun at least working on that series, and I imagine just like with uh, with Scalped, it's a different subject matter than you normally see in comics, and mm-hmm. so it gave you an opportunity to draw things that you don't normally draw, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I love that story, and uh, I had a very sort of um, passionate relationship with that series. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of referencing. Right. Okay. And, and speaking of reference. That's that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about in terms of uh, your process and your craft, because um, you obviously do a good bit of photo ref as you as you mentioned earlier, and just using you know real life settings as uh, as as a uh, as a start off point for for your settings. Mm-hmm. Now, when did you start incorporating a lot of that stuff into your work? You mentioned it actually happened earlier, I guess, uh, maybe with Challengers of the Unknown in yeah, that in that era. It's 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 fair to say that it started to sort of surface more on challengers, although I was looking at stuff what, long before then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking at reference as far back as static. I was looking at reference, I, yeah, believe it or not, I was even looking at some stuff here and there uh, on RoboCop, which yeah. you mm-hmm. would never guess by looking at the book. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, we forgive but, you. <laughs> you know, that, 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 was, uh, that was a point where I, I, I didn't feel too obligated with staying... Uh, uh, you know, realistic uh, mm-hmm. or or true to uh, a lot of the reference. So, uh, it, it started. I started to sort of focus a little bit more on getting stuff looking as real as possible mm-hmm. on challengers. I guess as a result of you know not drawing any superheroes and you know keeping this story sort of 
grounded in reality. Right. Um, uh, you know, the flip side of that is that when you try and focus on keeping things, you know, as real as possible, things can get awfully boring. That's for, true. For, for right. you and for the reader, you know. Sure. Right. So, is it is it more or less time consuming for you to use uh, photo ref or ref in in general? And in, and in an instance where you are using uh, 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 photos, are you shooting a lot of it yourself? Are you trying to com- combine that with maybe, uh, you know, finding stuff online or Googling and that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I hardly ever shoot my own reference. I just, I, there are some artists who, like, you know, they pose people and they photograph them and, mm-hmm. you know, they go through a, I just, I, I think I'm just lazy about that. I just don't have that kind of patience okay. to, to go through that many steps. I, I'm very sort of impatient about just getting to the drawing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for me, there, there's a great deal of discipline for me in just, you know, uh, trying to uh, uh, not jump right into the drawing and, and, and finding the reference and, and trying to sort of attack it in the layout. Mm-hmm. And, and even then, I feel like, fuck, the job is done already. Once, once the layout is done, I almost feel like the job is done. And, okay. Uh, and now <laughs> it's just a question of drawing the friggin' thing, which can be very boring. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Because the storytelling is really, you know, the the, the, the most exciting of part of, mm-hmm. of the job, you know? Okay. Um, part of the reason why I asked that is because there's a shot of you on your site with a camera. Yeah. Yeah, so I just didn't, I didn't know if maybe you were like a, a hobbyist shutter bug or, you know, what the deal was. Well, that was taken on a trip that uh, Tommy Lee and I and a few others took to uh, to England uh, doing style guide work for, for Batman Begins. Okay, okay. okay. When you guys so, went to Shepperton and, uh, yep, okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. So I was just a tourist at that point. Okay. Cool. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was you. all play and no work at that at that uh at that point in the road. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. That's cool. Um now is is it more or less time consuming for you to 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 try to find the reference because there are a lot of artists who 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 don't prefer to use a lot of reference. They prefer to draw as much from their imagination as possible. Oh, it's it's definitely more time consuming. Okay. Yeah, if if it, as far as time, yeah, it's 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 without a doubt more time consuming i just i just feel like it's an investment i want to make in the project that mm-hmm. that that pays off you know okay. in the end uh but yeah without a doubt if i just sat down and drew a book completely out of my head which i don't know that i'll have the balls to do anymore actually i, I talked to tommy about this a lot like you know it'd be interesting to try and do a comic just completely out of your head with no reference you know right. that, that would be an interesting experiment you know okay he, he says yeah and it would look like shit you know but, <laughs> but but maybe not you know maybe you would be forced to solve problems in a way that that you never would if you had reference you know who knows right. uh, just as an experiment it, it'd be nice to try that although i don't know that i would dare do that on a job you know okay right. okay right. <laughs> well, this is your own personal work perhaps you yeah can, you know take in that direction what what do you have to say, uh, JP, to people who are critics of that kind of thing? Because there are those who do prefer, like, 100% imagination. Uh, and then when I say critics, I mean, like, you know, even your peers versus uh, versus someone who says, well, hey, I want, you know, I want things to look as authentic as possible in the places where it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, are you saying that uh, there are critics of, of using fo- any photo reference at all? Well, or that people people who use probably an inordinate amount of it, or people who say when it's too obvious, or uh, takes you out of the story. Yeah, it takes you out of the story, and I, I don't get any. You know, I'm, I'm brought out of the world of imagination back into oh, this is obviously this or that or the other thing. Right. Yeah, the, you know, I think that they have a point. I mean, it, it really depends on how you use it. From what you just said right there, it, it opens up sort of a, a can of worms. Uh, as far as different sort of schools of thought of, of you know comics and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, you know there are this, you know certain people that think that 
you know, things just should be as, as accessible to the reader as possible. And, and, and when you use photo reference, it takes you out of the story. And, you know, uh, but, you know, it really depends on how you use it. Right. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, photo reference is, is a very valuable uh, tool. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you can definitely become a slave to it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can pr- produce some very uninteresting results. Conversely, if you just stick to, you know, the tried and true sort of comic symbolism, you know, this is hair, this is an eye, this is, that can produce some very uninteresting results as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, yeah. It, it's how you use it. Um, I think, you know, I'm a great believer in simplicity mm-hmm. uh, and, and economy and, and, and art in general and in storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think the danger with photo reference is that you need to learn how to edit yourself as an artist and what to put in and what to leave out mm-hmm. is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certain images can have as many lines per square inch as a, let's say, an Alex Toth drawing, which, you know, has a quality to it. I, I, you know, let's get back to Alex Toth. I don't know how he does it. I'm sure he used a lot of reference at certain points. Sure. There's, a, there's a warmth and there's a simplicity and a directness to his drawing that, that, boggles the mind uh but as far as lines per square inch there's a simplicity to his stuff that it it rises above any kind of symbolism for me mm-hmm. um there's there's a naturalism but there's also a such a strong sense of editing in his drawing that it defies all the symbols that came before it in a way mm-hmm. um I, I mean i guess the the value of symbols uh or of uh and when you when you use the word symbol, you're kind of, you mean like typical comic book iconography, yes, that kind of thing, right? Okay. I guess the value of that is in its simplicity, uh, in its directness uh, to the reader's heart, you know, and it gets it gets the reader involved in in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are new symbols to be found. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are new uh, marks to be made. Mm-hmm. So when you stick to the same old sort of tried and true symbols, I feel like there's something sort of stale about that. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some drawings that you look at, and they just seem like fifth-generation comic book drawings. And by that, I mean that they just there's not a sense of, of, you know, there's this sort of connotation that goes along with the word naturalism that, that for me, implies a kind of uh, a boring kind of very safe, stale, um, maybe stiff sometimes kind of drawing. But naturalism... Uh, can really be the most direct form of drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I'm losing my train of thought, but okay. there's, a, there's a point where naturalism and abstraction meet. Um, and, uh, and I think that's something to strive for. That's a and very good I point. Think, I, th- I think that Toth uh, reaches that point uh, in moments in his drawing, you know, where it's, if you flip the page upside down, um, it's just as beautiful in a way. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, yeah, and you're talking about a guy whose stuff was grounded in, in such strong composition and spotting of blacks. And, and like you were talking about the whole idea of simplicity, you know, I always say, you know, Alex Toth could make a circle with two dots and put a squiggle on it, and it, it'd be a face with so much character right. uh, and, and did not need all of the, uh, all of the, uh, the additional, you know, line work and rendering mm-hmm. um, that it might take another artist to, to give you that much character out of that face. Mm-hmm. Right. He, can, right. He, he could just make it happen. Right. Uh, we we talked earlier about uh, about colors, and you mentioned uh, I think it was Matt Hollingsworth and uh, and Melissa uh, doing the colors on uh, Earth X. 
And I, I had read in an interview that you did that where you also mentioned that, that color doesn't uh, easily come to you, or at least at that time it didn't. And, um, and I know that you're coloring uh, those DMZ covers that you, you've been doing recently. Has, right. has right. the trouble with color gotten, gotten better with you here recently? It has, I have to say. Yeah, doing the DMZ covers uh, is like getting paid to learn. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we'll edit know. that part out so that your editor doesn't know that he's... <laughs> He's paying you to go to school. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking to hide anything. Uh, I got you. Uh, you know, color doesn't come naturally to me, and and, and trying to resolve images in color uh, is is uh, is something that you know I've always sort of felt is kind of difficult for me because I, I never feel like it matches the power of black and white. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's it's necessary. Okay. Okay. Um. Can we swing over and talk about the boulevard a little bit, uh, oh, sure. JP? Sure. Now, now, how and when did all of you guys meet and hook up and, uh, and, and start the boulevard? We've all known each other for a long time. I've, I've known Bernard Chang since, since high school, actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I've known Tommy Lee since uh, about 94. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were both working at Milestone at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Bernard and Sean... Uh, started working at Valiant at the same time, mm-hmm. okay. which is around early, early 90s as well. Okay. Uh, and Tommy's known Trevor, actually. That's, that's how I know Trevor, through Tommy, uh, Trevor Goring, mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years now, maybe about eight years. So, you know, we've, we've known each other a while. Okay. And, and you know, why did you guys decide to link up and, and create this collective, uh, The Boulevard, essentially oh, a, vir- a virtual it- studio? Yeah, this this was just a, a lazy way of, 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 of wanting to hang out at conventions, you know. <laughs> really, well, that, that's really what that's about. Uh, and, and then, you know, we thought it'd be cool to, you know, start putting sketchbooks together. I mean, we're always emailing stuff back and forth to each other. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, you know, we thought, hey, let's let's set up the conventions together. We can, like, you know, do the convention circuit. And we can also, like, you know, put out our own sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's just really sort of snowballed into into something really creatively fulfilling. Uh, it's great to get feedback from these guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was going to be one of my questions, because there are at least three three sketchbooks out now, right? Right. right. Okay. Now, now, how do you guys benefit from, uh, is it just more so you being able to critique and kind of share work, or do you guys ever collab on jobs, or does one person ever turn another person into a gig? Or Yes, all those, all those things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, as far as the boulevard goes, man, if if you all you think if you all were all in the same city under the uh, under the same roof, that uh, that it would add to the mix of what you all are able to bring, uh, or do you think you guys would just get on each other's nerves? And it's probably better that you all be spread out. <laughs> That's a good question. I, I don't know. We all really get along, uh, okay. So uh, I think it might be really fun. Although I've never shared physical space in a studio with anybody. Okay. So I don't know how I would handle that. Okay. Uh, um, for you know, bursts of time. If I'm staying with Tommy, or if I'm staying with Bernard, or when we were at Shepherdson doing the style guide stuff, we all shared space, uh, mm-hmm. and that's been you know kind of a relief and fun and and you know more casual kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I don't know how I would handle that over a long period of time, but we get along so well. I, I can't see that there would be any fights or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if you guys would all begin to get like cabin fever and it turned into like a scene out of The Shining. Right. You know where. <laughs> Here's JP. <laughs> All work and no play. Right. Exactly. That's uh, JP a dull boy. Uh, 
I gotta I gotta ask you this. You mentioned your studio mates by name, Bernard uh, Bernard Chang and uh, mm-hmm. Sean Chin and uh, Tommy Lee Edwards and Trevor Goring. I gotta call BS on one thing, JP. Oh, Trevor okay. Goring is Kaiser Soze. I, I do not believe that he exists. Why, I, why is that? I've met you guys on three separate occasions. Hey, I've never Trevor's seen. Never I've never seen Trevor Goring. Even in New York, I've never. Heard, I've never seen an interview with Trevor Goring. That I've seen this funny. one picture of a guy who looks like a uh, like a young Anthony Hopkins on the website. Right. I don't believe. Trevor Goring exists. That's hilarious. Well, I'll have to have Trevor give you a call. I'm going to email you my phone number. If you would, send him my phone number. Tell him to call me. Leave me a voice message, and we'll put it at the end of this episode. Right. My name is Trevor Goring, Seriously. and I do exist. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to think that he's kind of like the, uh, the guy that you guys blame stuff on. You know, no, Trevor. <laughs> no, Trevor did it. It's, uh, it was his deadline, not, uh, right. not actually my own. Well, I think so. he was accredited in, in The Watchmen for some stuff, though. So. Trevor has got more experience than any of us. Yeah, he's, I know. he's been doing storyboards for years. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's our, our, our movie guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, his his stuff is great. He's a, he's a he's a hardcore storyteller. Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm I'm joking. Obviously, his, right. his the stuff that he has in uh, in the Boulevard sketchbooks is great. It's very nice. Yeah, and we did knew we knew ahead of time that he had worked on Watchmen and uh, mm-hmm. quite a few other things. And then he do uh, was it Waterloo Sunset? Yeah, Waterloo yeah. Sunset. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Water, yeah, Waterloo Sunset. So yeah, I'm I'm joking, but. Uh, we were hoping that he was going to be in New York City back in February. Right? He was supposed to, but then he got into a movie that was just you know too busy, and he couldn't he couldn't go. He had to cancel last okay. minute. Okay, that's cool. Okay, that's cool. Last couple of questions yeah. uh, for you, JP, before we wrap it up with you, if that's cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, are you aware of your like pseudo uh, presence on YouTube? Huh? Uh, no. <laughs> More information, please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There are two videos on YouTube. Okay. Uh-huh. One is with you and the rest of the Earth X team, and you guys are stacked up in a pyramid on Uh each other's backs. I know what that is. (laughs) I haven't seen it on YouTube, but I know what that's from. Okay. This I'm I'm gonna explain it for Dwight because I just discovered it uh, a couple hours ago. Okay. (laughs) There's a video of uh, uh, Alex Ross Mm -hmm. on his all fours. And John Paul is on all fours. Okay. And then Bill Reinhold, the inker from EarthX, and Jim Kruger are on all fours on the, their backs. Okay. Like right. they're making a, a cheerleading pyramid. Okay. Right. And they announce each other, and they're in somebody's living room or something. And then a... Hello? Hello? Yeah. Okay. Wait, I think that's Trevor Goring calling me on the other line. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, that's pretty funny. Uh, I know exactly what that's from, but go ahead. No, and then another guy like crashes through that's, you guys. That's Nick Barucci. Is that Barucci? Down. Okay, I wasn't that's sure. <laughs> no, what was the deal that, with that? That was that was filmed at Nick Barucci's house uh, when we were doing uh, some video work for not video work when they were shooting some video of us uh, for that the little interview you know that, piece that you all did in his in his uh, basement or in his his warehouse or whatever. Yeah, that's some more of the same stuff. It okay. was all shot for that. that you know that, that EarthX uh, hardcover that Graffiti Designs put out, the, the, the black and white edition? No. Uh-uh. Graffiti Designs put out a oversized black and white edition of EarthX mm-hmm. um, maybe a few months after the series was finished. And there was a, there was a CD-ROM in the, uh, in, the, in the collection. Okay. So okay. there's some video stuff in there of us at a signing in New York and that pyramid thing and yeah, um, yeah. talking okay. in the warehouse and so that's what that's from. Okay. okay. Now how did they talk you guys? And I'm assuming that it was there might have been alcohol or money involved, 
But how do they talk, you guys? And it's stacking yeah. up on each other's backs and introducing each other. Yeah, I was going to crack a joke that we were all drunk, but, you know, nothing, <laughs> it was not anything. Uh, I wish I could say that. Now, I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think, I think we just, you know, thought it was a funny idea at the time, and it's probably pretty sad. Uh, it was like something out of a hard day's night. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, that's the thing. This stuff just never goes away. No, no. Yeah. It's, that's uh <laughs> No, that's uh, that was a trip, man, and a, a, and I hope you won't be upset with us, but we will link to that on the blog so that people <laughs> oh, sure. can see it. You know, go ahead. But the other thing is, is have you seen that trailer that someone did for Earth X? Yeah, it's got like some CGI and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah, I think that was also in the disc. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it wasn't god awful. It wasn't great either. But it wasn't. Um, it wasn't god awful. But uh, I give it props for uh, for effort. You know. Uh. Yeah, uh, no comment. <laughs> That's cool. I understand. I understand, bro. Right? You can live it down. Well, you know. Um, before we let you go, I do. I do want to go ahead and promote what you are working on now, since you mentioned it earlier. Hmm? But as far as uh, as far as the Nick Fury story or the Sergeant Fury story that you're working on with Jesse at uh, at uh, at Marvel, what can you tell us about it? And how does it, how's it looking for you? And, and when will the issue be out? I think it's due out in. When, when is this thing due out? I think it's due out in May. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when it's due out. Um, sometime either late spring, early summer. Okay. Um, it's 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 action packed. It's a it's a, it's a one shot, thirty two pager, and it's it's you know World War Two and cool. it's the Howling Commandos and cool. it's, it's just it's just nonstop action. Okay. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That's cool. That's cool. Um, has work been working with uh, Jesse been good? Because I know he has more of a resume in television than he does in comics. Oh, it's been fun. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to draw in this story, and okay. you know, it's it, it's been fun. Um, you know, some sequences that uh, have really been uh, a challenge to bring off. Uh, just uh, you know, when there's a lot of action and there's a lot of referencing combined, uh-huh. it 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 it's uh, it's a tough thing to sort of balance. Um, and okay. uh, this this job has been very challenging in that regard. Okay. All right. Well, we wish you well with it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Nick Fury, especially the original Nick Fury. I'm, yeah. I'm not that crazy about Sam Jackson. I'm not crazy the, uh, about yeah, Sam the Jackson. New, the new Nick Fury. Yeah. So. Uh, um, we'll see about that. As long as, long as you're not using <laughs> you're not using uh, David Hasselhoff as the photo ref, I'll, I'll, I'll look for I'll definitely look forward to it. <laughs> hey man, don't hassle the Hoff, man. <laughs> That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.